0: July seventh at five PM. Uh, we'd love to have have you come. And the album comes out on Friday. It's her second second album. You can look for her music again on um, on Spotify. Brittany Glenn Double N. Um, and I think you said you get like point one twelve cent every time someone clicks yeah. on a song. So I buy it on iTunes. Buy it on iTunes. Go. If yeah. Where are we selling the album here? So. Okay. Thank you again for, for coming in and joining us. Um, so we're continuing our, our series called Fulfilled, where we're thinking about how God calls us to like the fulfilling things that are in our hearts, the things that I think we would actually want, and kind of basing this series a little bit off a uh, conversation that Jesus has with a blind man, um, and Jesus asks him, what do you want me to do for you? And he ends up healing the blind man, but what I want to get us to think about during this series is just the beginning of that question, like what do you want? And I think Jesus actually wants us to think about the, the true, like, deepest desires of our heart. And unfortunately, I think we're often, like, breathing pretty superficial air in our world today. But what if you could actually really think about, you know, what is it that I really want out of this life? What is it that actually really, like, leads me to fulfillment? Because I think oftentimes what gets us in trouble is perverting those desires and settling for lesser versions— Instead of actually really thinking about, what is it that I really, really want? And we talked last week about how I would say that we need to recognize and realize that happiness is more of a who than a what. That fulfillment comes from, you know, having a community around you. And Jesus says, love God, be at peace with God, and then love other people. That you would, like, live in such a way that you would have a certain peace with God and then a peace with other people. And that you would show the love of Christ to the world. So happiness is, is more than a who than a what. You know that's true if you've ever watched kids play. They play with a cardboard box and they're having a blast. And over the years, I think we, we can forget that. This morning, I want to talk about another uh, concept, and it starts with uh, an idea that Jesus teaches about. Um, in a really important time in his ministry, I would say that in some ways um, Matthew 5, what's called the Sermon on the Mount, is, is like a, um, a state of the union type address. Because Jesus is starting to get more and more popular and people are starting to think, okay, what is this guy all about? Tell us like who you are. What, what, are, you, what are you teaching? What's really important to you? And so Jesus gets up and he begins to teach. And these words have, have changed the world, um, arguably more than any other words in, in human history. But what's fascinating is it comes after like the what's called the intertestamental period, which is the period between the Old Testament and the New Testament. If you've ever read through your entire Bible, um, you would just kind of just read through and like Old Testament ends, New Testament begins. But there's actually this 400 years, which is called the 400 years of silence, where um, God wasn't speaking apparently or or revealing um, to people in, in the scriptures. And so it's interesting to think about that, that 400 years, I mean, if you think about the collective like, years that this room will live, we probably will be lucky to span a lifespan of close to 200 years. We probably won't even make it all the way there. Hopefully, we got some people who need a few more years to get to 100. That would be awesome. Then that would help us, Um, those of us on the other end. I'm trying to run to get into shape so I could make it for a few more years. But think about that, that for 400 years, there's been this, this silence where people haven't heard from God, I know that that's like overwhelming for me to think about as someone who is very impatient at times. When I have to wait a couple weeks, it's difficult. But for 400 years, there's been this period of silence. And then I would say Jesus gives these words as a way of saying like, this is what I'm about. This is what I am trying to help you think about. This is like revealing a lot of like who I am and then like who I would challenge you to be. And what's fascinating is he starts with this word. Here's a a Greek word for you so you will will know some Greek. Um, It's markarios. And this word um, just can mean blessed or um, extremely blessed. Sometimes it'll be translated happy. Sometimes it'll be translated fulfilled. But think about how God, in, in a way, to the people for 400 years has been silent, and the, the first word from God is blessed. And maybe you have been waiting on something from God, and you need to hear that, that after this long period of silence, the, the first word that God speaks is this word of blessing. And what's surprising about it, probably most surprising, if you're familiar with the Beatitudes at all, you likely have read them f- before. But what's most surprising about this is who Jesus starts to bless. I and mean, think about who we would say are the blessed people or the fulfilled people. I came up with a few of my own. Perhaps you could add some yourself. But I think we would say in our 2019 Beatitudes, Happy is the Instagram influencer, for theirs is the most likes. (laughs) Or fulfilled is the celebrity, for theirs is the paparazzi. And I know... That the paparazzi would probably be annoying after a week or two, but like the first time that you're just going into like a, a CVS and people are just dramatically like taking all these pictures of you, that'd be pretty cool, wouldn't it? I mean, again, it would be super annoying probably almost immediately, but for a while I'd like people to care that much about what I'm doing. Like that'd be pretty cool. Like, you know, stroll around town and have 30 people trying to snap pictures because it's worth worth some money. Happy is the CEO for theirs is the large bank account. How much... I saw an article that said, how much money in coins do you have to have to be able to dive into it? And it's actually not all that much if you just do pennies. But happy is the CEO, fulfilled is the star athlete, for theirs is all the trophies. Hopefully LeBron will get one of these in a few years for the Lakers, but it's not looking like it. Happy is the YouTube star for even the dumb things they do get notoriety. Mandy's mom has been a teacher for 20 years, mostly working with fourth and fifth graders, and she said it's been interesting over that span to see at the beginning of her teaching, uh, it was a wide range when you would say, what do you want to be when you grow up? And some people would say like marine biologist, which is popular as a kid for some reason, it's um, uh, a doctor, you know, you have like all of these wide range of answers. And she said, fast forward to what it is now, she says almost every single kid will say that they want to be a YouTube star. Almost every single one. And I know that that's like, oh, man, I'm really scared for the next generation. And we can think of it like, oh, that's, that's, not, that's not that great. But I would blame us, like the older generation. Apparently, perhaps through like our own addiction to technology, we've maybe subconsciously shown like this is how you get attention. This is what I'm watching. This is what I'm paying attention to. And then when their friends are doing the same kinds of things, of course, they'd be interested And again, you might come up with some of your own, your own 2019 Beatitudes of like, this is the people or the group of people that are fulfilled. These are the ones that are blessed. These are the ones who very much are in charge. And Jesus was speaking to a very similar world. If you were to say, you know, who is blessed, who is fortunate now, they would have said the Romans. And they're in charge. Like they're taxing us unbelievably. This is why we don't like tax collectors. These are the people. It's the people who have the power. It's the people who are in control. It's the people who are are dominating. Those are the blessed ones. Those are the happy ones. But then Jesus just, in this, again, this kind of state of the union, he starts blessing all the wrong people. Let me read that to you. Matthew chapter five. He begins to teach them, and he said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Don't those words, even 2,000 years later, Sound just like a breath of fresh air? And I could just end the sermon right there because I feel like that's like Jesus mic drop basically of like this, I can't say it better than him. One of my teachers in seminary in a preaching class, he said, your sermon should only be 10 minutes. That's all you need. Uh, but he said, the problem is you'd probably get fired because people would say, what did you do all week? So I have more prepared. But this is one of those moments where it's like, I could just like stop it right there. And that sounds just like a breath of fresh air, doesn't it? Because just as this was good news to those who would have heard it for the first time, this is like still, we have an ache in our heart like, wow. Like what Jesus says there, it's just so different than the air that we breathe. And again, he's blessing like all the wrong people, the people who you wouldn't expect him to bless. What he says is shocking to them who would have heard it for the first time as it is to us, that this, like, this this new way of viewing the world. And the thing is, it's not just like everybody who's out there and like, our culture is going bad or whatever. It's not, it's just in everything that we do. I love how Tony Campolo says this, who is um, a guy who does a lot of big speaking events. He says, it's scary that many American churches, we would define as successful, don't look like this at all. It's like they're the reverse Beatitudes. Again, this isn't just like about the culture and everybody's going wrong. Even in the church, sometimes the ones that we would like look to and say, well, oh, they're really successful. They're often built on the opposite of some of this stuff. I'm not saying that about all of them, but oftentimes I think that's true. That It's like there's a reverse Beatitudes. Jesus says, this is what you're supposed to be. This is who I'm calling you to be. And even in those moments when you feel like perhaps you're not blessed, you have the blessing of God. I want to talk about just, just a few of them that you could really go on for a really long time about, uh, all of them. But I want to give you just a little bit of an understanding of, of what he's saying here. So blessed are the poor in spirit is, is the first one. And that one is a bit of a debated term exactly what uh, that means. But I think just to help us understand, I think I would say that it's blessed is someone who knows like, their need for God who in their life, in their day-to-day, they recognize that they don't have it all together, that they don't have all the answers, that they have a need for God's spirit and presence. They have an understanding of who they are in the world. Sometimes I think we have the, the weight of the world on our shoulders, and what would it look like for us to just take that off for a little time? And to say, God, I, I trust you. I'm, I'm stressed, I'm anxious, I'm at the end of my rope. But God, let me just like, take that weight that I feel off for a minute and put it into your hands. Because you, for generations, have, have helped anxious, hurting, needy people. And you can help me too. I heard a great talk on uh, humility recently at Pepperdine Bible Lectures. And the teacher said, we give ourselves way too much credit And way too much blame. What if we could just be humble? And relating somewhat to what Jesus concludes there with about blessed are you when people say things falsely against you, he talked about humility and how we can often be so consumed and concerned with like what other people are saying behind our back, that it can be something that just like runs in our head, like, oh, I bet he's talking about me or I bet they're talking about it. And you can have that kind of playing in our head. And he said to be humble, what you should do instead is to just think about like, all right, yeah, maybe they're saying some certain things about me, but they don't know the half of my sin. Like if you think about like just walking up to somebody who you're afraid is maybe talking about, you like, hey, here's a list of a few more. I know you know about some of that stuff, but here's a few more. What if we could live with a certain sense of humility that said, I don't have all the answers, I'm not in control. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. I think of the series that we just did on the book of Lamentations talking about grief and, and pain and, and suffering and how there it was a really difficult sermon series in some ways to preach, but there was such power in that room as we were like thinking about some of the things that, that we're processing. And I have to give our, our church some some credit. Every single week when I preached that series, I saw somebody who was, was crying, and maybe they were like processing something as I was talking. And I would think, okay, mental note, like I do see you, by the way, just FYI. Uh, mental note, like I need to, to get over and talk to that person or this person uh, so I can like make a connection and, and chat with them. And every single time, one of you all beat me to that person. So thank you for that. Thank you for being aware. But I think of that series in this, that blessed are those who, who mourn, who you know, are willing to actually come face to face with the brokenness of themselves and the brokenness of the world. Because sometimes it's all we can do to like, sit and, and cry and grieve and properly grieve and not just like push it below the surface. Blessed are those who live with a true understanding of the preciousness of this life. And who are willing to say, yeah, there's some difficult things, and I'm aware of those things. There's a guy who wrote a book called The Grace Disguised, named Gerald Sitzer, and in the book, he reflects on a terrible loss. He lost his, his mom, his wife, and his daughter in a car accident at once. It was a terrible, terrible thing. And he writes in his book that um, he chose not to run from that loss, but at times to be overwhelmed by it, to allow himself to truly grieve. And he found that the way to the sun was to walk through the darkness and to trust that there will be a sunrise. And the sun's never going to feel or look exactly the same. But it's with understanding our pain, blessed are those who are willing to mourn. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. This is one that probably is most shocking to us because we think of meekness as as weak. We think of that as like kind of the, the quiet person in the corner. But what's interesting is there's only two people who are described as meek in the Bible. That's Moses and Jesus. So if you ever feel like you're meek, you're in good company. Meekness, I would say, is not weakness. It's understanding your limitations, knowing exactly who you really are, Standing up in those moments where you need to stand up and perhaps sitting down when you need to sit down. To not strive beyond yourself, to not live with a sense of like keeping up with the Joneses, but to have an understanding, this is who God has called me to be, and I'm going to live that out to the best of my ability. Jesus continues, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. This is one that I think in ministry I've seen is difficult. It's it's hard for us to actually like hunger and thirst for righteousness in such a way that it continues to change our behavior. That it continues to call us outside of ourselves. Like there's, we've just done the um, family promise ministry and we've done the Ascension ministry for about ten years. We'll be serving there again tonight. And working um, for homeless people and doing that kind of work is exhausting at times. Like, it's, it's hard work. And oftentimes, sometimes you think it's like more questions than answers when you're working. Like, is this actually helping? How best can I help? What can I do to serve like this, this group of people or, or this people? Uh, there was a, a person several years ago um, through one of our ministries that we were doing. Um, I think that they kind of launched into it thinking like, oh, I, I just really want to help homeless people. And that sounds awesome. But then actually doing it is hard work. And then after doing it, that person said, oh, I, I don't think I'm called to that ministry anymore. And I, I don't like, want to disparage that person, but I kind of said, okay, that's fair, and maybe you aren't, but then like, what are you going to give your life to? If it's not this, then like, what are you going to say? Okay, this is what I'm going to sacrifice for. This is what I'm going to give to. Because Jesus promises that in that sort of perspective, in that continued pursuit, you're going to be filled and it's not always exactly how you would want it, but if you continue to, to, to actually have a thirst and a desire for righteousness in the world, and you're not going to let it be quenched because it's a little bit difficult or it's actually hard work or sometimes hard to, to work like amongst these kind of things or in these groups, like you can't just give up and go, oh, I'm not called to that anymore. Again, I don't really want to disparage that person, but I'm just thinking that we all need to think about how we are called to like, be change agents and to do good things in the world, and at times it's going to be hard. And if your thing is not doing homeless ministry, that's fine, I understand that, but find some other way to give sacrificially. We serve a Savior who died on a cross. You'd think sometimes we could live with that perspective, Right? as we think about how we help those who are in need. It's a persistent hunger and thirst. Again, I could go on and on with all of these because these things that Jesus says are all so countercultural, and like a breath of fresh air for us. But what I think is important for us to recognize as we think about exactly who Jesus calls us to be in the Beatitudes, is he recognizes something that's really important, that happiness is not an outcome. I think we've been taught that it's just that next thing. You know, whatever it is that you're currently thinking, like, I'm just going to be happy whenever I get, and you just have that in your mind. What the Beatitudes teach us as Jesus says, you know, fulfilled are you when you live in this way. Happy are you when you live uh, in this way. What he's telling us is that happiness isn't the next pair of jeans. And I know I keep searching for the perfect pair, and I haven't found them yet. But we have been told that whatever it is, we're advertised to all the time and said, no, this is what happiness looks like. This is what fulfillment looks like. And so what Jesus says throughout this conversation is he just says it's not an outcome. True fulfillment is more like a farmer than like a computer programmer who just programs things and it immediately happens. Jesus says fulfillment is a journey. All of these things are journeys of the heart. To be someone who is meek, to be someone who hungers and thirsts for righteousness, to be someone who is poor in spirit, these are all journeys of the heart. It's not destinations. For example, if you, and a lot of these things I could say could come under the umbrella of humility. If you have a certain sense of humility about you, that's awesome, but the problem is once you've gained humility, you have to start over because once you've realized you're humble, you're not so humble anymore. Once you're like, oh man, I'm really doing killing it on this humility thing. Then you gotta be like, all right, here we go again, back to the beginning of this thing. And once you realize like where you're at, and so that's what all of these are. It's not like, okay, it's the next thing that you're gonna buy, you're gonna purchase. It's about this posture of the heart that is a continuous thing. And it's just hunger and thirst for righteousness, but don't give up when it's hard. Be persistent in it and know that in certain ways you are being filled and changed. And I wish it was different. I wish I could say, like, here is the code to happiness. You know, seven ways that you could, I wish it could be a little bit better. But I think what Jesus is telling us is honest. And what's great about it is who he invites into it. At the the end of Matthew chapter 4, as he begins the the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5, it tells us who it is that is in this crowd. It says large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across Jordan followed him. So this is the group of people that is coming to hear this, this state of the union, understanding, okay, what is it that you're about, Jesus? I know that long lists of towns aren't that interesting, but it's fascinating to see the towns that are there. The Decapolis, which would have been a very Greek place, Jerusalem Judea very Jewish places its people who would have been like steeped in religious culture and the Jewish way of things for a thousand years and some guy who like sells euros on the corner cuz he's a gentile he's greek it's not like Jesus says, all right, all right, all right, let's get all the Jews together, and I'm going like, to tell you about this new thing that I'm doing. Like, Let's like, get that guy out of here. It's everybody. It's people who, as a religious person, you wouldn't expect and actually maybe wouldn't even want to be there. Like, hey, there's a Roman here. Hold up, hold up, hold up. No, 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 no. No, he can't. They, they are like oppressing me and my family, and Jesus is like, no, 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 he's welcome here. The blessing of God isn't for just like one certain kind of person. The blessing of God is for everybody. So what's shocking and unbelievable about this is definitely what he says, but also who he's blessing. And the way he does it. It's just unbelievable that he says things like, yeah, this is when you are blessed. This is when you can experience the the, the blessing of God. One of the things I think that we don't recognize enough is we don't recognize that God is often at work in some of our most difficult seasons of life. That we would look back on it and say, goodness, I never wish I would go through that again, but when I share my testimony, it's the first thing that I talk about. Because I experienced the great power of, of God through, through community, through friends, maybe through some revelation that happened to you that you felt God's presence. And this is what Jesus is saying here, it's, that it's kind of this upside-down way that the blessing of God is often there for you when you feel like you're at the end of your rope when you feel poor in spirit, when you feel like you're, you're hungering and thirsting for righteousness but it just doesn't really seem to be happening, when you're meek and you're not trying to like throw everybody under the bus and trying to get ahead of everybody. Jesus blesses people. One of the problems with us is we think we know when we're blessed by God. But Jesus reminds this crowd that it's a very random group of people. The blessing of God is for everyone and it's not when you would expect it to be there. This is what God is like. This is such crazy and revolutionary news And it's still, unfortunately, I think, hard for us to think about today. Partly because our world is really good at separating groups of people and them just yelling at each other and not having a conversation. Do you know what the only man-made object visible from space is? Anybody? Great Wall of China, because humans are really good at building walls. We're still, as a nation, talking about building a wall. We're really good at saying who's in and who's out, who's on my side of the fence and who's not, who's blessed by God and who's not. When these shocking words of Jesus should cause us all to say, whoa, how how do I even know who God is blessing? I don't, because I get it when I don't deserve it. And this is the good news that Jesus is teaching about, again, after this, this 400 year of silence, that this is the thing that Jesus says. This is the way that Jesus says, this is what God's world is like. That when you feel like you are at the end of your rope, when you feel like you are an outsider, God is on your side. There's a Catholic church um, that had this as as their bulletin. It went around several years ago. It was very popular. It's small, um, so I'll I'll read it for you. We extend a special welcome to those who are single, married, divorced, gay, filthy rich, dirt poor, yo no habla inglés. We extend a special welcome to those who are crying newborns, skinny as a rail, or could afford to lose a few pounds. We welcome you if you can sing like Andrea Bocelli or like our pastor who can't carry a note in a bucket. You're welcome here if you're just browsing, just woke up, or just got out of jail. We don't care if you're more Catholic than the Pope or haven't been in church since little Joey's baptism. We extend a special welcome, and it kind of just just keeps going from there. I think this is very much like the Beatitudes that Jesus begins with. That doesn't mean that God doesn't want to work in your life and that God doesn't want to join you, but God joins you as you are and sometimes joins you more significantly and more profoundly when you think that you're not blessed by God. Because again, if we were to make our 2019 Beatitudes, we would say all kinds of things. And we would say these things and say, this is the fulfilled people, this is the blessed people, it's, it's the winners, it's those who are in charge, and Jesus comes in and just like totally turns the tables. He says, when you're poor in spirit, when people talk bad about you, when you feel like you don't have it all together, and sometimes when you have a growing awareness of how you don't have it all together. God is on your side. And again, it's not an outcome. I wish it was. I wish I could tell you, like, here are the three steps to complete fulfillment and happiness. But it's a posture of the heart. It's more about being a farmer and sowing seed and continuing to reap it. Jesus calls us to have a certain heart and way in the world. The Beatitudes, just as they were a fresh piece of of news and hearing them read aloud maybe for the first time in a while was a breath of fresh air, it might be a good place for you to over this next week just read the Beatitudes every single morning to remind yourself that the way that you're going to be defined at work and in your community is not the way that you are truly seen by God. Because to this random group of people, people from very Greek places, Gentile places, and Jewish places, Jesus says, you are blessed by God. God is on your side. I'd like to have the worship team come up. We're going to sing the song 10,000 Reasons as we think about this blessing that we have from God. But I hope that you recognize that happiness isn't the next best thing and fulfillment isn't like just one purchase away to truly live as Jesus calls us to, to be the fulfilled people of God, is to recognize that God is with us and God's blessing is for us. Even sometimes when we feel like we're at the end of our rope. From the very beginning, Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit, those who recognize who they are before him and are willing to turn parts of their lives over to God. So during this next song, it's my hope and prayer that you would just maybe lift the weight of your life off your shoulders for a minute and say, God, I trust you because of who you are, and because of who you say I am. Because Jesus blesses all the people who we don't necessarily say are blessed. And he invites us to live into that reality. Let's stand and worship together. This is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. I hope you live into this reality this week that Jesus blesses those who we wouldn't expect. Hope you guys have a great week.